Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor Study. Well, if you've been watching our show recently, we're going to go over to the manger scene here. And a few weeks ago, we talked about the Christmas angel. And then the next week, we talked about the shepherds. And then last time, we talked about the three, although it never says there were three, they had three gifts, but the wise men. Today, we're going to talk about the most important figure in the Christmas story, the baby Jesus. So if you would, take out your Bible and turn to John chapter 1. You know, we, every Christmas we sing, What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? The whole purpose of this half-hour show is to answer the question, What child is this? Who exactly is Jesus Christ? And you might not know exactly who he is. You're going to know by the end of this half hour. So take out your Bible, John chapter 1, and let's pray. Lord, we pray for anyone that happened to tune into this show today and they don't exactly know what child is this. And we pray you would teach each of us who you are, Lord Jesus, and bring us all to faith in you. We ask it in your name. Amen. John chapter 1. We're going to learn all that we can about who Jesus is. John chapter 1, starting at verse 1. In the beginning. Here's the first point. Jesus was in the beginning. Do you realize that Jesus was not created? Jesus just always has been. You know, sometimes kids ask, well, who made God? Well, the answer is, nobody made God. He's just always been. And they, well, how, how can that be? We don't know. But God has always existed. He always will. That's true of the Father. That's true of Jesus the Son. That's true of the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God in three eternal persons. Jesus was in the beginning. Next part of John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. Next thing to say about Jesus Jesus was the Word. Now, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that Jesus is the Bible. We talk about the Bible being the Word of God, and it is, but this is a different sense. Jesus as the Word of God means He's the living expression of God. So, the reason the Bible calls Jesus the Word is when you want to express yourself, you use words. When God wants to express himself, he does it through Jesus. And, and if you remember, um, when God created the world, he said, let there be light. He said, let there be animals. Everything he created, he spoke into existence. And then we learn way after creation, when John writes 1-1, the speaking God was doing at creation is Jesus. Verse 1 in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Next thing to say about Jesus, He was with the Father. 
at the beginning. You know, somebody said to me, don't you think God was lonely for all those gazillions of years before he created the world and had no one? And I said, well, if you believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God wasn't alone. Now again, we, we don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God, but in the Godhead are three eternal persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Next words. And the word is with God and the word was God. Next thing to say about Jesus is, Jesus was God. This is one of the clearest passages that teach that Jesus is God. Now, I, I've been a pastor many years. I have learned you can sit in church for 50 years and not get that. So let me make sure you get this. <laughs> I mean, I, when I was a, a, a young preacher, I had a church in Florida. I'm teaching on the Trinity one night. A man, I think in his 80s, who I think had been in church his whole life, put up his hand. What do you mean Jesus is God? I thought he was the Son of God. And I said, he is the Son of God. He's also God the Son, the eternal second person in the Godhead. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, uh, C.S. Lewis said this. Here's a little seashell. C.S. Lewis said, imagine fitting yourself down inside a little seashell to live in there and you'll get a glimpse of what it must have been like for God to become a man. That's what happened when God took on human flesh and became a baby. Jesus is God. Verse 2, Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Did you see what it said there about Jesus? All things were made through him. Here's the next thing to say about Jesus. Jesus is the creator. Now normally we think about God the Father making the world, and he did. But again, how did God the Father make the world? Through speaking everything into existence, and the word of God that's speaking is Jesus Christ. So did the Father make the world? Yes. Did Jesus make the world? Yes. Did the Holy Spirit help in making the world? If you look at Genesis 1, the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Next truth about Jesus, he is the light of men. We live in a dark world, a sinful world, with all the racial unrest and political unrest and uh, disease now, and just this world is evil and sick and dark. The one light in this world is Jesus Christ. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He's talking about John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him, through John the Baptist. John the Baptist was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, Jesus, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him, Yet the world did not know him. Here's the next thing to say about Jesus. He was misunderstood. Uh, some years ago, a pastor took a microphone and a camera to the big, huge Mall of America here in Minneapolis, and he stopped people uh, as they walked through the mall and said, we're taking a survey. Can you tell us who you believe Jesus is? It was so depressing. 
So many people didn't have a clue. This is America, one of the more Christian places on the planet. So many people didn't have a clue. So let me just make this simple. If somebody asks you who Jesus is, you say this, he is fully God and he is fully man. You got to have both or you become a heretic. We, we got to maintain Jesus is God, but he truly also became a real human being on earth. Verse 11, he came to his own, the Jews, and his own people did not receive him. Next lesson, Jesus was rejected by the Jews. He's also rejected by most Gentiles, non-Jews. Have you ever wondered about that? God creates the world. He comes into the world as a baby. He goes all the way to the cross to show much, how much he loves us. But still most people go, no thanks. Why is that? Well, I think it's in the next verse. Look at verse uh, 19. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. The reason people reject Jesus is we love sin. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I'm going to run my life. And, and so people reject Christ. And you know, I'll tell you, if you're watching this show and you're a believer in Christ, the only reason you believe is because the Holy Spirit overcame your rebellion. Because we were all born with this sinful rebellion called original sin. And if you're a Christian, you didn't do that. The Holy Spirit overcame your rebellion and brought you to Christ. Look at um, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Here's the next truth. God gives believers the right to be God's children. I want you to notice in the verse, not everybody's a child of God. You become a child of God when you put your faith in Christ. You know, I want to dispel the notion that everybody's a child of God. No, you know what Jesus said to the Pharisees in John chapter 8? Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. <laughs> That's the way we all start out. Again, we're born with original sin that we inherited from Adam and Eve. We are evil and sinful and self-centered. And the only way we become a child of God is when the Holy Spirit overcomes that in us, gives us faith uh, to, to, to believe in Christ. Verse 13, these believers were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of God. Here's the next lesson. Jesus brings about the new birth. If, if, you, uh, if you've heard about being born again, that's what this is talking about. Have you ever had somebody stop you downtown? Brother, are you born again? Well, how do you become born again? This verse says, you don't do that. God does that. If you're watching the show, you know you're a sinner. You're putting your trust in Jesus' death on the cross for your salvation. Then you've been born again. But again, that's not something you did. The Holy Spirit did that in your heart. I used to be on the radio. And um, there was kind of an obnoxious listener to our radio show. And he'd send me these emails. Pastor Brock, you're not saved. Because you said on one of your shows that you don't know the day you were saved. And if you don't know the day you're saved, you're not saved. And he sent me a number of these. Finally, I, I said to him, can you show me one verse in the Bible where it says you have to know the day you were saved to be saved? <laughs> and, and I said, it's not in there. Now, I, some of you watching this show, you can tell me the day you were saved. I think the Apostle Paul 
could tell you the day he was saved. Yeah, I was knocked down off my horse on the road to Damascus. Boom, that's when I got saved. But then there are Timothys. Timothy in the Bible was raised in the faith. And if you were to ask Timothy, do you know the exact day you were saved? I'm guessing he would say, no, I don't know. It doesn't matter if you know the date. It's the, what matters is that you know Christ. And if you do, you've been born again. And, but that's something you didn't do. The Holy Spirit did that in you. Verse 14. And the Word, Jesus, became flesh, became human, that is, and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here's the next lesson. Jesus became truly man. In the early church, like 100s, 200s, 300s AD, there was a false teaching called docetism. Dakeo means to seem like. And the docetists were teaching, well, Jesus seemed like a man. He looked like a man. But he wasn't really a man because God wouldn't become a man. And the early church condemned that teaching because if Jesus didn't really become a man, then he didn't pay for man's sins on the cross. You have to maintain again, Jesus is fully God and fully man or you become a heretic. Let's look at verse 15. John the Baptist bore witness about Jesus and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Next thing to say about Jesus, he was pre-existent. Now, you know, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. But John the Baptist says, no, he was before me. And then, you know, Abraham lived 2,000 years B.C., before Christ. But Jesus said this to the Jews in John 8, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, Jesus, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him because he was claiming to be God. And, and, and follow this. Remember in 1300 B.C. when the burning bush and God, Moses says, God, what's your name? And God says, I am who I am. Jesus is claiming to be God here. That's why the Jews wanted to kill him. Verse 16. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Next, next thought about Jesus. He brings us grace. Do you understand this? You're not saved by how good you are. You're not saved by trying real hard. You're saved by grace. The word grace means God's unearned favor. You cannot earn heaven by your good works. What we've earned is hell. We get grace just, the word grace means God's unearned free favor. So, a man is drowning in the ocean. A woman runs up to the lifeguard. That's my husband. He's drowning. Would you go rescue him? And the guy, yes, madam, I will. And he stood there. And the man starts flailing worse. No, okay, okay, so go, go save my husband. Yes, ma'am, I will. Finally, the man starts to go under. And then the lifeguard swims out, gets the man in his arms, brings him safely on the beach, and he was fine. And the, the wife was angry. Why didn't you go get him when I told you to? And he said, madam, I've been a lifeguard for years. I've learned if I go try to save him while he's trying to save himself, we'll both go down. 
So I wait till he's tired and gives up, then I can rescue him. That's the Christian life. Listen, if you're trying to save yourself by being good enough, you will never make it. Once you give up and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus Christ to die on the cross and rise from the dead. That's my salvation. That's when God picks you up. <laughs> Next thing to say about Jesus. Verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Next thing to say about Jesus, he brings us more than law. Law meaning the Ten Commandments being good. Some people think the reason Jesus came to earth was to show us how to be good and, and to be a good role model. <coughs> That's not why he came to earth. We already knew how to be good. Moses gave us the Ten Commandments in 1300 BC or so. We knew the Ten Commandments. We knew how to be good. Problem is we broke the Ten Commandments and thought we're indeed. So the reason Jesus came was to save us from the condemnation of the law by his death on the cross. Verse 17, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Next thing to say about Jesus, he brings us truth. Not too long ago, almost all Americans believed in what's called absolute truth. The truth exists. It's out there. God made the truth. You don't change it. It's just there. Then things changed, and today many Americans are relativists. You have your truth. I have my truth. I'm glad your truth works for you, but... Your truth doesn't work for me, so I have my own truth. And you kind of make things up as you go along, and it doesn't work that way. I mean, let's say you and I go to the top of the Empire State Building. You tell me you're going to jump. I say, don't jump. There's this thing called gravity. If you jump, it'll kill you. And you say to me, well, I'm glad gravity works for you, but that's not my truth. It doesn't work for me. And you jump, and you die. <laughs> Listen, you neglect absolute truth to your peril. So can I give you a New Year's resolution? I want to just urge you, make your New Year's resolution starting January 1st, every day for the rest of my life, I'm going to read the Bible to get my hands on absolute truth. I'm not going to make up my own truth anymore because that doesn't work. Next, last verse, verse 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is in the Father's, at the Father's side has made him known. Last truth about Jesus, he makes God known. During World War II, a father goes overseas to fight. And mom puts a big picture of dad above the fireplace. And the little boy in the house used to just sit and stare at that picture. And one day he said, Mommy... I wish daddy could come through that frame and hug me. <laughs> That's what happened at Christmas. At Christmas time, God Almighty came down through the frame, landed in a manger, took on a human body, lived on earth about 33 years, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead, and all who believe in him and trust in him have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That's who Jesus is. Let's review what we've learned. Jesus was in the beginning. 
He was the Word. He was with the Father. Jesus was God. He is the Creator, the light of man. He was misunderstood, rejected, but He gives believers the right to become God's children. He brings about the new birth. He became truly man. He was preexistent. He gives us grace by which we're saved more than the law. He brings us truth. He makes God known to us. So in, in short, if somebody at the Mall of America puts a microphone in your face and says, who is Jesus? The answer is fully God and fully man. And I close with this. I, an atheist farmer was sitting next to the window reading his newspaper on Christmas Eve. The wife with the children come out into the living room and, honey, won't you come to church with us tonight? It's Christmas Eve. Well, no, you go ahead, take the kids, but to me that's a fairy tale. Why would God become man? That makes no sense. The, the wife and children go off, and while the farmer is reading his paper, he hears something outside, and he looks through the window, and he can see something's going on in the barn. So he pulls on his coat and boots, and he goes out. Here a flock of birds has gotten caught in the barn, and they're flying around the barn. And there's a little window at the top of the barn. So the farmer's trying to shoo the birds out, and he starts going like this. And when they, the birds see this figure going like this, they go nuts and start bouncing off the walls. And, and he keeps trying to shoo them, and, and it's just not working. And the farmer gets frustrated, and he says, you know, th those birds think I mean them harm. I mean them good. I'm trying to save them. If I could just become a bird for a moment, I'd fly around with them and I'd lead them through that window. If I could just become a bird just for a moment. And when it dawned on him what he said, he knelt in the snow. <laughs> God became a man at Christmas time. That's what this is all about. He's fully God and fully man. Have you let him become your savior? Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study. We are going to ask Pastor Brock questions regarding the Bible. Pastor Brock, can you tell me, did Jesus know that he, at a young age, that he was the Son of God? I think the answer to that is no. And let me explain this. Did, did two-year-old did two Jesus know how to do trigonometry? I don't think so. Because it says in Luke chapter two, I think it is, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature with God and with man. So. When, when we maintain that God became a man, we mean he really became human. He grew in wisdom. I don't think the little baby Jesus knew he was God. I think he was God and he would come to know that. But So what we want to maintain is, yes, he was always God and man when he became a man, but he grew in knowledge and wisdom is what Luke chapter 2 says. Because if you And if you remember, some, some lady grabbed Jesus by the uh, robe and Jesus turns around and said, who touched me? He didn't know. Mm -hmm. and, and so there are certain things, because he limited himself to a human body, because he truly became human, there are certain things he didn't know. He all, the, all, the disciples said, Jesus, when are you coming back? He said, only the Father knows that. Now, I think Jesus now knows that he's, a, he's in heaven again, but um, there were certain things that Jesus didn't know when he was limited to his human body. Of course, he still knew supernatural things, too. He could tell the future, and I'm going to die and, and rise in three days. He knew all that kind of thing. So it's kind of a mixture. He's truly God, truly man. The only difference between Jesus and you and me is he never sinned. That's the difference. But he cried, he wept, mm -hmm. he slept, he, you know... Uh, I think he could have tripped over a rock walking down the street. He was human. 
but he never sinned. Interesting. Yeah. What happened to Joseph, Mary's husband? Right. You know, the last we hear of Joseph is when Jesus was 12 years old in the temple, and, his, and Mary and Joseph are upset that Jesus didn't follow them uh, in the caravan. And then we don't hear any other word about Joseph. So somewhere probably after age 12, uh, Joseph died. Because Joseph's not at the cross, he's not with Mary, and, and so somewhere he probably died. Hmm. I've often wondered that. Yeah. Um, can you tell us more about the word Trinity? Yeah. When the word Trinity is not in the Bible? Yes, and I've said this before. If the Jehovah's Witnesses, which is a cult, mm -hmm. come to your door, they'll say, why do you believe in the Trinity when that word is not in the Bible? My response is, they're right that the word is not in the Bible. The concept of one God and three persons starts in Genesis chapter 1, the first paragraph of the Bible. In the beginning, God created, there's the Father, and God spoke, let there be light, there's the Son, and the Spirit of God moving on the face of the waters, that's the Holy Spirit, in the first chapter of the Bible. Then Jesus', Jesus last words on earth, go baptize in the name of the name, singular, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And then other places that teach that the Father's God, the Son's God, the Holy Spirit's God, one God and three persons. Yeah, the word isn't in the Bible, the concept is throughout scripture. If Jesus is God, who was he praying to in the Garden of Gethsemane? Yeah, okay, if you're going to believe, like we do, that Jesus is God, who was he praying to in the Garden of Gethsemane? Well, you've got God the Son praying to God the Father. Jesus in his human form was praying to God the Father. Uh, and how can that be? Well, the, the, somebody said, he who doubts the Trinity will lose his salvation. He who tries to understand the Trinity will lose his mind. <laughs> Some of this is beyond us, but there you go. All right. If Jesus is equally God with the Father and the Holy Spirit, how do you understand John 14, 28? All right, stop there. Okay. John 14, 28, Jesus says to the disciples, you would have rejoiced when I told you that I'm going away, for the Father is greater than I. Mm -hmm. Well, when we talk about, and this is called the economy of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all three equally God, but the Son does submit himself to the Father. Just like you are equally human to your husband, mm -hmm. but the wife is to submit herself to the husband. Even so, Christ is equally God with the Father, but he submits himself to the Father. And then the second one is... 1 Corinthians 15, 27 through 28. Yeah, and that's when the Apostle Paul says, everything is submitted to Christ, and then at the end, Christ submits himself to mm -hmm. the Father. Well, if they're equal, why does he do that? Again, the economy of the Trinity, that they're equally God, but that's the way it works. Okay. Yeah. We have 20 seconds, and yes. I just want to say thank you for joining us today on the Pastor Study. May you be blessed this week, and we'll see you again next time. And you can watch our shows for free anytime at pastorstudy.org. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, 
two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study. P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.